You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez coming to you after the Houston Astros take down the Boston Red Sox 6-1 behind a fabulous outing by Jose Urquidy. He no-hit the Red Sox for the first five innings of baseball today. I mean, what more could you ask for? Glad we didn't trade that guy. 6-1, to the Astros take the last game of the series. They do lose the series to the Boston Red Sox, though, after falling in the two previous games. Trey Mancini making his first start as an Astro, getting a two-run homer. Christian Vasquez making his first start as a Houston Astro as well. And then Will Smith came in to shut the door. So all three... New Astros appeared in today's game. Could that have been the difference? I don't know. Producer extraordinaire and the co-host with the most is Mr. James Mesh. James, what's up, buddy? How you doing, man? <laughs> I got you laughing this afternoon. Oh, don't I? man. I'm so glad we didn't get rid of Jose. So glad we didn't trade Jose. Definitely didn't say he should be the one to leave. I didn't say that. Not on air. And then, I, I don't know. I, I still feel like he would have been the better option to trade away, even though he had a, a great outing today. Had a fabulous outing. Uh, I do get why you went with Odorizzi, but I still personally think that Urquidy would have been the better option, but that's just me. Um. So again, the Astros winning 6-1. to one. We'll talk a little bit more in depth about that game. A couple of things that we're going to get to today. How about two Denver Broncos players tearing their ACL in the same practice? It's a shame. Is it the Baltimore Ravens of 2021? They just went to Denver? I was going to say, each season is going to be a new team where it's like you lose multiple people. Yikes, dude. At least it wasn't multiple from the wide receiver room. That's true. It was one wide receiver and then a running back. That's true. That's true. And and at least the running back was more of the guy that would – be at the best the third option at running back yep we're going to look at also some cajuns talk we'll talk some mcneese cowboys as well we will do a mississippi state preview with steve robertson from jeans page the mississippi state 24 7 site we will get a in-depth preview of the bulldogs with him and of course now that we're back in studio on a wednesday for the first time and seems like forever we're going to do Who Dat Wednesday with our guy Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles. It's been a long three weeks since we've talked to Brendan. So uh, we'll see what's going on with his life. Who knows? New haircut? Maybe a new girlfriend? I don't know. There, there's a lot going on in the world of Brendan Ertle. So we'll figure that out. And so much more. We don't have a poll question posted. Uh, James and I are still trying to decipher what that's going to be. Soon as we get one up, though, we will definitely let you know. Um, so tragic news in, in, in the world of sports. Vin Scully, the longtime broadcaster for the Los Angeles Dodgers, passed away yesterday at the age of 94. 
Uh, Vince Scully called games for the then Brooklyn Dodgers and then the L.A. Dodgers. He spent 67 years with the Dodgers organization. Uh, you know, just to just to sit there and think about it. The guy started doing radio broadcasting at the age of 22. That is insane. And then he stayed with that team for 67 years. I saw a picture the other day, yesterday actually, uh, people were posting like memorials to Vince Gully and whatnot. And I saw a picture on social media. It was him ice skating with Jackie Robinson. Like that's how long the dude was in the business. He ice skated with Jackie Robinson. And, you know, he's had some of the most memorable calls in all of sports from Sandy Koufax's perfect game to Kirk Gibson's home run call. Uh, a lot of people don't know that he was or don't realize, I guess, that he was the broadcaster for the catch, Joe Montana to Dwight Clark in, uh, in 81. You also have his legendary sign-on before games where he says it's time for Dodgers baseball. I mean, Vince Scully was the best to ever do it. Play-by-play broadcasting-wise, he was the best to ever do it. He was the greatest storyteller. And the, the thing that I loved about Vin was when you were listening to his broadcasts, it, it kind of felt like he was talking just to you. He, he made you feel like you were the only person listening to him. And that's a special trait that not everybody has, you know, in, in, in the world of sports broadcasting. And Vin, Vin did it with a, with a passion and with a soul. And then, you know, another thing is if you looked at it, if you look back at some of his biggest calls, like the Kirk Gibson home run, you, he calls the home run and then it's silence and he lets the crowd noise and the reaction tell the story and he lets it sit there for a second and that's a skill that again a lot of broadcasters need to have because the crowd reaction in such a big moment like that tells the story better than you can so once again Vince Scully one of the best to ever do it Passed away at the age of 94. James and I will actually bring you some of his best calls a little later on in the show. We do have a poll question up on Facebook and Twitter. Is Trevor Penning getting kicked out of Saints training camp today concerning? 100% eh, fights happen. I think it's concerning. I mean, yeah, fights happen in, in training camp. That's not abnormal. Um, but when the guy has gotten in scuffles three days in a row now, that's concerning. Um, I really hope that him getting kicked out of practice sends him a message. We knew he was going to be rough around the edges. Northern Iowa media guys told us that. He has a, he got called for a lot of personal fouls in his time in Northern Iowa. He's a bruiser. He's a bully 
some people have even called him. We knew that there was going to be things like this discipline issues that we were going to have to work with for the Saints. But again, it getting to the point where Dennis Allen felt like he had to kick him out of practice, I mean, that's concerning to me at least. James, what do you think? I, I lean more towards the eh because, yeah, you do kind of think, okay, he's getting kicked out and this is three days in a row you do this with like, I think two of them being with Peyton Turner. It's like, okay, you guys just must not like each other. But for me, if you're going to, the way to kind of send a message now, early on before it's too late, is to kick him out now and send a message. Like, look, we love you. We There's a reason why we picked you this early. We knew you're a little rough around the edges, but you need to work on this, and this is a serious issue. I get a little scuffle. I get it. Training camp can be intense sometimes. You want to prove and make an impact on the team and have a starting spot. But we can't keep doing this. You're going to have to find a way to control yourself better and compose yourself better because if if this keeps going, I don't know what's going to happen. It's true. It's absolutely true. Um, I it it's something that the Saints are definitely going to have to look out for. Great news from Saints camp today, though. Tyron Matthew was back in the locker room on the field. He looked ready to go, signing autographs for fans. So big moment for the Saints there. Another NFL topic to keep an eye on: Deshaun Watson's suspension that came down earlier this week. The NFL has announced an appeal of the suspension. So the way this worked is the NFL hired a outside arbitrator to come in and study the case and put down a suspension. Well, Now that the NFL doesn't like the suspension that was given, they're appealing it. They want Deshaun Watson suspended for a minimum of a year. And then here's the thing, James, you do realize that that is 100% going to happen. Because, I was going to say, if the NFL itself is the one... Well, with with the appeal process, it's written in the CBA. If you get an arbitrator and then the NFL appeals, the NFL chooses who determines the punishment. So they could say, Goodell, you got this. Yeah, I was going to say, you're you're judging your own case that you appealed. It's like... You you get to do whatever you want. You, you make to do whatever rules. you want. The ball is one hundred percent in Goodell's court, and there's nothing anybody can do about it. Goodell could ban him from the league, and I don't know that there's anything anybody could do. Which is kind of scary when you think about it. Um, they're also pushing hard for a monetary fine, which I mean, let's be honest, to Deshaun Watson. It's probably just a drop in the bucket. I mean, he bought a dude a Rolex for a jersey number. I mean, seriously. He bought a teammate that he had just met a brand new Rolex to have a jersey number. Not to mention, he was probably in that time that in the year they took off, he was sitting on his in his brand money that he had before all oh, the yeah. all the cases came out. Oh yeah. He wasn't touching his salary. Um, 
So we'll see what happens with the Deshaun Watson thing. Again, it's scary that the NFL has, or Roger Goodell, has the power to to basically do whatever he wants in that scenario. So we'll see what happens there. I found an interesting stat, James, about the Astros. Um, the Astros, with today's win, now have the second-best franchise record through 106 games at 68-38. and 38. The only team to do it better was the 2017 team that won the World Series. Their record through 106 games was 69-37. and 37. So only one game better. That's that's intriguing. That's very intriguing. Banging trash cans really didn't make that much of a difference. Right. That that's kind of what I'm getting at. Um and now I don't think in twenty seventeen AL wasn't as close as it is now. The Yankees weren't as good as they are now. In 2017, the Red Sox were decent. I mean, they made the playoffs. But I don't know that... I feel like the AL is a little more competitive now than it was in 2017. Also looking at today's game, I feel like this is one that... Now, Foot's going to find a way to complain about something, about the game. No doubt. Today's game? Yes. Oh yeah, but I, I think overall, you, I don't think he'll be able to pull out the pay the piper because it's not like they put up ten, eleven, twelve oh, runs. No. They put up six. It was a six to one game. Like you need to have some insurance runs just in case Boston were to score. Because I mean, they scored one in the final inning, but I mean, what if they ripped off three or four more? You need those insurance runs. So I, looking at it, I, I don't think you could say that you got. A home run from Mancini. You brought out Will Smith to finish the game. And Vasquez also had an impact on the game as well. So it's like your new people that you just traded for made an impact in the win. You didn't put up too many runs. Urquidy had a hell of a game. Yeah. I I really... Foot's going to find a way to critique something about, like, you should have thrown your slider a different way. but He's going to complain about that home run from Devers. He's going to complain about that solo shot from Devers in the ninth. Um, Which is like, that's almost like complaining about, oh, you didn't keep the shutout. Or, it's like, you know, he, he's he's going to, that, that's Kevin Foote. It, we love we love Foote. It's a slight, it's a slight erg, but it's like, it's one run. It was a solo shot in the ninth. Nah, he's, when he's you're up, find when you're up already six. I mean, it's, it's not a big deal. Just saying. He is going to find a way. It's like it's like you're up thirty to zero, or like thirty to three, and the opposing team scores a late touchdown and like gets a two pointer. It's like okay, is that is that kind of worrisome? Not really, because your team your team wasn't trying yeah, when you're already be. you're not you're not worried because they're not going to score three times in the final five minutes. Right. The Astros will hop on a plane probably in a couple hours. And head to Cleveland, Ohio, where they'll have a four-game set against the Guardians. That'll kick off tomorrow at 6-10. Justin Verlander on the mound for the Strohs tomorrow night. Hey, JV Day! Against Zach Play Zach. Uh, so we'll see what happens there Friday, 6-10. Saturday at 5-10. And then Sunday, 
early morning at 11.05. Ooh. 11.05 first pitch on Sunday. I'll be in the middle of church by the game by the first pitch. Yeah. And then they come back for six straight. They'll play three against the Rangers and then three against the A's. So the Astros, you know, looking at their schedule through the rest of the month, Cleveland, Texas, Oakland, the White Sox, the Braves. See, that three-game series against the Braves is going to be fun. Look out for that three-game series against the Braves, August 19th through 21st in Atlanta. That'll be intriguing. And then the 23rd through the 25th, they play the Twins. Carlos Correa comes back to Minute Maid Park. And you you round out the month with a three-game set with Baltimore and then two more against the Texas Rangers. Game hotline 706-0111 if you want to get in on the action. Let's go there now. Jay's calling in. Jay, what's up? Yeah, I understand that, you know, and, you know, you think the NFL is so all-powerful that they can't be stopped or, you know, we this is cool with John Watson doesn't have a chance. You know what? The NFLPA welcomes this. And guess what? We'll get ready to go to federal court over this because if we're going to sit up there and open this up, once again, Robert Kraft, Daniel Snyder, Jerry Jones, the Texans, we, let's, let's go ahead let's, let's bring it all out then. If you want to sit up there, you're not, you're not happy with the decision, let's go ahead and bring it all out. And that's what's happened. Why some of these players, why the owners can get away with some of this stuff, you know, look at the situation. That's why they had to come out on the Dolphins on the coup because of stuff like this in the uh, Flores lawsuit. Yeah, the NFL, the, NFL, the NFLPA will go out to the NFL, and I, and I hope a lot of stuff will get exposed out of all of this. You know what I'm saying? Y'all, y'all upset. And I'm going to tell you what happened. They tried to hide behind that federal, that, uh, that judge. They thought that judge was going to give him a year of suspension. But she realized, you know what? Yeah, he's crazy. He's a freak. He did some crazy stuff. But, you know, I can't give him a, a year of suspension. You know what I'm saying? So six games, and we'll see what happens. And that's what happened. The NFL tried to hide behind this woman, and she didn't do what they wanted her to do. But like I said, if you had that same smoke for Deshaun Watson, I'd never hear you go out to these owners. I'd never hear you sit up and say one thing about the owners, but you – but you come out to Sean Watson once again. You pocket watch. You're talking about what he paid for uh, for uh, for his number. Who cares, man? Players been paying for numbers for years. So why why that matters? Like I said, I welcome them. I hope the NFLPA go to federal court because it's, it's about to get real messy. And guess what? Since they're going to court, he can play. Uh, he can play week one. You know that? Yeah. He can play week one. So we'll, we'll see what happens, man. Y'all have a good one. Thank you. So, I'm I'm not saying that I don't want Deshaun Watson, or I don't think that Deshaun Watson should be suspended longer. I'm not I'm not sitting here saying that, and I'm not sitting here not talking about the owners. It's obvious that Robert Kraft, Dan Snyder, you know on and on and on. And they get away with stuff all the time because they're buddy-buddy with Roger Goodell. Do I think Deshaun Watson should be suspended longer than six games? Yeah, I do. But I don't have the power to suspend him for longer than that. And do I agree that the NFLPA will go to court over it? Absolutely. 
it's going to get messy. And Deshaun Watson's going to play this year because it's going to battle out in court. And he knows that, and that's why he's still practicing. So I think what I was trying to say got misconstrued. But, I mean, that happened. That's fine. Uh, We'll take a timeout right here. When we return, James and I will look at 131 college football programs, and we'll play a little this or that here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For sports talk love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana sports station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 41 minutes after 4 o'clock here on your Wednesday afternoon. All right, James, let's play a little this or that with college football programs. Obviously, we're going to stay away from LSU and the Cajuns because, you know, that's obvious answers. So let's start. How how are we diffusing this? Are we saying we're owners, like we're just fans? Are we coaches or we're we're just fans? Yeah. Okay. Like we're just fans of the programs. Okay. Would you rather root for Clemson or USC? Mm, I'd probably lean Clemson. Uh, not a huge ACC guy, but uh, I like Tigers and I like the color orange. Orange is my favorite color, so it's kind of an easy choice for me. And and I like and, and I like the walk down in the stadium. And not to mention Dabo Sweeney. I mean, yeah, and who doesn't love Dabo? <laughs> pretty pretty good. How about you? I'd probably go USC. Last year I'd have said Clemson. This year, Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, Travis Dye. USC's got it figured out. And I think they're going to be damn good. And I don't know. I'm going. I'm going the Trojans. How about how about Oregon and Stanford? Oregon. Wild uniforms. Yeah, their stadium is literally named the Zoo. <laughs> and who doesn't love a duck mascot riding in on a motorcycle? That is pretty good. And I, not to mention. Because I was going to say, they're I love a pretty their, good football program. They are a very good football program, and they, and they've gotten plenty of good talent going into the NFL. I I also would go Oregon there since I'm big on colors, like colors and color schemes and logos of teams. And with Oregon, I mean, I usually wear Nike products. Yep. So the fact that they are exactly where Nike is located, the headquarters, is like okay. Oh, yeah. I mess right. with it heavy. 
All right, let's see. Ohio State or Texas A&M? I'm probably going to lean Ohio State. I don't know if I'm starting to become a sheep of Sean Payton, but just seeing so many Saints players, I'm getting so familiar with Ohio State players since Saints just love drafting them. I mean, Malcolm Jenkins, Chris Olave, you got Michael Thomas, you had Ted Ginn, you got Nick Vanette, you got Vaughn Bell, Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, you got oh, there's a and, bunch Pete, of them. and Pete Warner. You Pete just Warner. got him in the second round last year. I mean, you got plenty of them. Like you're so familiar with them at this point. I'm. I almost feel like I'm a secondhand Ohio State fan. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I hate them both. <laughs> okay, but if I had to pick the lesser of two evils, I guess I would go Ohio State. Um, C.J. Stroud, hell of a quarterback. They just had Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, who were, you know, two top receivers. So, I like the Buckeyes. How about Michigan or Michigan State? Michigan. Look at the history there, man. I mean, Coach Carr, Tom Brady, the Big House, the Mason Blue. It just, it's, there's such a... And I even, I can't believe I'm saying this, I actually kind of like Jim Harbaugh a little bit. Oh, you like Jim? I'm actually a little bit of a Jim Harbaugh fan. You're a bit, <laughs> you you like when he just goes crazy on the sidelines I'm, I'm and a has big, an outburst. I'm a big Sharpie on the lanyard guy. Oh, okay. I'm a big that, Sharpie that's on the lanyard you? guy. Yeah. All right. I mean, the dude just comes prepared. If I had to choose between the two, <laughs> yeah, uh, until, until he faces big-time opponents. Well, ouch. Michigan State for me, uh, I, like I said, logos and mascots and color schemes and uniforms is a big thing for me, and it's and it's a good product for the most part. You, you still get good players coming out of there sometimes. Unfortunately, Draymond Green went there, but that's beside the point. Uh, since it's Spartans, I was a Ove Como High School graduate, so we were the Spartans, and then. And I was at Bruce Arb Middle, and we were the junior Spartans. So I kind of just... The junior Spartans. Yeah, oh we were the junior God. Spartans. So I kind of third-hand am a fan of Michigan State for that. That's fair. That's fair. All right, give me one more. Wait, no, it's my turn. I was going to say, I feel like I've, I've given like the last three. All right, Georgia or Florida? Mm. Which side of the cocktail party are you on? <laughs> Man, Georgia, mm, just whoever beats Alabama. Yeah, I mean whoever whoever does it does it for me. Yeah. That's uh, very other true. than that, I'm not huge fans of SEC teams in general, other than LSU. Like I, I'm just not huge on any of them. So whoever beats Alabama, but if you're forcing me to choose one of them, I guess I'll take Florida since mm-hmm. you got Napier and yep. he took some of the coaching staff. Yep. Some of the coaching staff. He basically took all of it. But yeah, I, I get your point. Um yeah, I mean I'm taking Florida. I didn't want to I didn't want to overstate it. I'm 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 taking Florida too. The swamp, Billy Napier. But who doesn't love a good dog? Okay. <laughs> took it too far. You went too far, but I'm going Florida in that one. All, all right. right. I got I got one more for you. Good. Would you rather App State or Coastal? 
app. App? I have much more respect for App State. Look, there's... I was going to say, every time I see Coastal, like, any sort of product, it pisses me off. Yep. I don't know why. It just does. Yep. I'm not, I'm not big on App State either by any stretch of the imagination. I have, especially, especially like dealing with the fans. It I wasn't, a, it wasn't that bad, but I have a healthy amount of hate for App State. It's a, he- it's a healthy dose. Coastal, I loathe. Nope, App State. It's a toxic All relationship. Day. All day long, App State. You, you on App? Yeah, I, I'd slightly have to go App. I don't like either of them, but I feel like the fans were a little more tolerable, and I don't know, just something about Coastal. Just irks me. All right, James. I've got a feeling that our listeners are looking for a new place to hang out and watch sports. I mean, yeah, I'm always open to new places. Okay, well, I got one for you. Okay, throw it on me. The Hangout Sports Pub in Youngsville. Ooh. Fortune Road, 1004 Fortune Road. These guys just opened up a couple months ago. They're Youngsville's newest place to hang out and catch all the games. It's a local neighborhood bar, locally owned. They've got every NFL and college games on their TV, starting with the Hall of Fame game tomorrow night between the Raiders and the Jags. Again, located off of Fortune Road, right off that roundabout with Fortune and Bonin, right there, 1004 in that little shopping center off to the left. Daily drink specials, live entertainment on the weekends, great food, I mean, dude, they have these burger sliders with, like, ranch and a jalapeno and a fried onion. Dude, <laughs> it's good. It's good? It's good. Uh, Pepper Jack Boudin Balls. Casey Friend is the name of the guy that owns it, he and his wife. They are great people. They run a great establishment. So if you're looking for a new place to watch the games, even if you're looking for a place to watch soccer games, I mean, Casey said that they're going to be playing Premier League games starting at 6.30 in the morning on Saturdays. What about rugby? I mean, I'm sure if you told him to put on rugby, he'd put on rugby too. Uh, He just seems like a a sports geek. So, once again, Hangout Sports Pub in Youngsville, 1004 Fortune Road. And if you go, tell them that Miguez and Mesh sent you. We'll take a timeout, wrap up hour number one. On the other side, you're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and it's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Red Hot Houston Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles Saturday, August 27th, and you can be there. Transfer in the game clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 53 minutes, 54 minutes after 4 o'clock here on your Wednesday. So far in hour number one, we've recapped the Astros taking down the Red Sox 6-1. to one. 
We also talked, we ran through some top stories in the world of sports. How about Kentucky and Gonzaga agreeing to a home and home series for college basketball? James, that's nuts. Kentucky, Gonzaga playing against each other, either in Lexington or in Spokane? <laughs> well, technically both, but it's going to start this year. They're going to play in Spokane in 2022. Kentucky and Gonzaga. That might be one of the best college basketball games of the year. Oh, that's going that's going on ESPN right away. Oh, absolutely. That's, that is that is getting so heavily publicized. And then also, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but 2012, uh-huh. Michigan State and and North Carolina played each other on a uh aircraft carrier. They built a court on an aircraft carrier. The aircraft carrier does sound familiar. Uh, they're bringing that game back. I don't know. I don't think they've announced who's going to play in it yet, but they are going to play on an aircraft carrier either this year or next year. So we'll see what happens with that. In the world of women's college basketball, UConn star Paige Bukers is out for the season with a torn ACL that she suffered in practice earlier today. More news. How about Marquise Hollywood-Brown arrested for criminal speeding? He could face 30 days in jail and a fine of up to $500 and or one year of probation. He was arrested after his vehicle exceeded 85 miles per hour. Well... Okay, his vehicle exceeded 85 miles. What was the speed limit, though? I was going to say, is he going... Is he is in it a 20- 85 and a 70? Because if that's the case, then he probably shouldn't have been arrested. A ticket, for sure. But I don't know about arrested. Is he? Was he in a neighborhood? What's, go- what's going on? It, the arrest took place on Arizona State Route 101 in North Phoenix. What? So if it was a state highway, the speed limit's probably 55. So, okay, yeah. I you're, mean, you're doing 30. I was going to say... That's pretty that's pretty egregious. It is it is on the it is on the borderline of that, I I will admit. That is I, will, I was I was gonna say thirty isn't the worst thing in the world. That's that's pretty bad. But it is kind of bad. That's pretty bad. <laughs> it, it is a little bad, I'll be honest. Yeah, I mean that's that that's pretty bad. Also, Phil Mickelson and ten other live golfers suing the PGA tour. Uh oh. Things are going to get juicy. Oh, it's spicy out here. Things are going to get juicy. I never I never thought golf could get this spicy. Right? Right? Who would have thunk it? Hour number two, Steve Robertson of Jeans Page, Mississippi State 24-7 Sports, will join us for a preview of the Bulldogs. And, of course, we'll do Who That Wednesday with our guy Brendan Ertle right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of two on your Wednesday afternoon. Welcome to Crunch Time 
with me, Gaz and Mesh, right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. It's time to start up once again our opponent previews for the 2022 football season. Yesterday we did one for the Cajuns. Today let's do one for the Tigers. Up next on the list is the SEC opener and the Bulldogs of Mississippi State. Mr. Steve Robertson of Jeans Page, the Mississippi State 24-7 page, joins us here to discuss the Bulldogs. Steve, thank you so much, man, for taking the time. How are you? Man, I'm doing grand, man. I'm, I'm happy fall camp's about to start, but uh, I'm not necessarily looking out to stand for it and all that heat, you know, but, uh, you know, it's another sign that football is close, and I guess, you know, we're under, what are we, under the 30-day mark now? You know, so let's get excited. All right, let's start right off the top with Mike Leach. I mean, one of the most animated and just wild head coaches in, in all of college football. You know, from from your perspective, what what's it been like to cover a, a guy that animated and rate his his performance? You know, on the field. Well, it's been great. I mean, Mike's been great to me, and you know, I I, you know, I talked to my Washington State guys. You know, whenever uh, he was coming, I'm like, you know, hey, you know, I, I don't want to go viral. You know, for asking some stupid question. You know, is there a is there a pet peeve or anything we need to kind of avoid? But now, seriously, Mike's been uh, he's been great. Matter of fact, when I <clears throat> first time I interviewed him, we spoke over the phone during the quarantine, and he ended up interviewing me for about half an hour before I ever got to ask a question. But uh, he'll call some nights, and uh, we'll talk about stuff. And next thing I know, it's midnight. He's talking about the travel patterns of the Algonquin Indians, or you know. Uh, you know, what, what's my favorite, you know, b- blend of sweet tea, that kind of stuff. So it, it's been a lot different than it was with uh, Dan Mullen and Jim Moorhead. But, you know, let's be honest, it's year three now, so Mike and those guys need to win some games. I mean, you know, last year was a step forward. 2020 was awful. K.J. Costello just couldn't get it done. They had a lot of injuries and a lot of the uh, contact facing kind of like everybody else around the conference. You go four and seven that year. Uh, you end on a high note winning the bowl game, but um, – that was kind of marred, too, by the post-game fight and all that kind of stuff. And so last year, a step forward, they won some games that I think surprised some people, but they also lost some games. And that's what Mississippi State's got to do this year. So they got to win the games they're expected to win, and they want a couple of toss-ups out there to kind of move the train forward no step. Looking at the quarterback position, you bring back Will Rogers, who you know, arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. He put on an absolute clinic in that air raid offense last year. I'm looking at the numbers. His worst performance in terms of yardage was the Liberty Bowl, where he threw for 290. I mean, that's wild numbers to to look at. Over 4,000 yards last year, coming back again to lead this Bulldog offense. Just talk about Will Rogers and, you know, what makes him special. Well, I tell you, the first thing is he's a tough kid. Not just, you know, physically, he's not the biggest guy, but he's mentally very tough. He's really taken ownership of this team. You know, two years ago, he would kind of like, hey, I think this is how we're supposed to do it. Now it's like, dude, get on the line, let's go. You know, he's got a lot more confidence and kind of understands the offense a lot better. But, you know, what's interesting, too, I don't think Will gets enough respect. And the reason that I say that is uh, I understand he's a product of the system. Uh, but it's almost like we're setting a precedent among the SEC media that a Mike Leach offensive player can't be considered all SEC. 
Will Rogers had the third most prolific passing season in the history of the Southeastern Conference last year. And the only two guys who threw for more yards won the Heisman Trophy, and that's Joe Burrow and Bryce Young, and they had more games to do it in. And so I think a lot of people are kind of looking around saying, ah, yeah, this kid's just okay. And I understand it's a pretty good year for quarterbacks in our league, but I think he wears that like a badge of honor. I think he likes being disrespected. I think he has a chip on his shoulder. I think it drives him to be a competitor. Uh, and that's one thing for sure. The leadership qualities really have always kind of been there, but I think he has really taken a step forward and really made this team his own. I'm expecting a big year out of him. Talk about your, the the running back room for the, the Bulldogs. I mean, I know an air raid offense, you don't run the ball a whole lot, but you know, kind of talk about some of the production coming back from last year. Well, you know, there's two running backs that started basically as true freshmen. You know, Colin Hill uh, opted after the Kentucky game back in 2020, which is probably good for all parties. But those guys have kind of grown up with Will. And as this Jaden Wiley wide receiver, that's kind of State's most explosive guy out there outside. But, you know, DJ and Woody are guys that uh, understand that they're going to get touches. They may not be traditional handoffs, but they're going to get the ball in space and have a chance to make some plays. I think in order for this offense to really run at its highest proficiency, you probably need to get about a thousand yards combined from those two guys on the ground. You know, and when State played LSU last year, that was one of the things they really kind of focused on early in that ball game. Because you know, Orgeron said they had this special defensive package, trying to slow down the you know, the, the air raid offense. And so they kind of took what LSU gave them, say so ran the football a lot more. And you know, their red zone efficiency numbers when they run the ball are really good. When they don't, they're not so good. And that's the thing about the air raid. Sometimes it kind of bogs down uh, in the red zone. And in order to kind of finish some drives this year, they're going to have to be more involved in the running game. Last year's special team was an absolute joke, and it got to a point where Legion didn't want to kick the football. He just, let's just go for it all the time. And uh, that didn't always work out. I think that's where Dylan Johnson and, and Jaquavia Marks have to maybe take a step themselves this year to give Leach that confidence when we get down low is, hey, coach, I can get it in the end zone. Makai Polk was the leading receiver last year going over 1,000 yards. He's now in the NFL, but the two guys behind him on the stat sheet, Jaden Wally and Austin Williams, back for another season, both guys getting about 600 apiece last year. Who else sticks out on this receiving chart for Will Rogers' offense? Well, the guy that had the biggest spring is a guy named Caleb Ducking, and uh, he's a guy that came here two years ago and actually redshirted out of JUCO. He played at Rolling Fork High School in South Delta. The South Delta High School, Rolling Fork High School, at high school, and uh, they didn't do a whole lot. He was kind of under-recruited. He was a non-qualifier, and he goes to Holmes Community College, and I think they threw it three times a game. And so he was a long-range athlete that didn't know a whole lot about playing wide receiver, and so he had a redshirt year to kind of learn the nuances of the position, Showed some flashes last year, had a great spring. And I don't know that he can match that same level of production. You probably have to do it kind of a by-committee approach. But I think Ducking's a guy that you could expect some big things from. And then the Georgia transfer, Justin Robinson, is a guy that uh, really looks apart. He's that big physical X receiver that can kind of catch it and fall forward and move the chains. They're expecting some big things from him. And, uh, yeah, I think it's really – you look at the numbers, I think there's 21 scholarship wide receivers on this roster and they're going to play probably a dozen or so per game they're going to spread the ball around to kind of make themselves a little less predictable but uh you know austin williams is mr steady eddie and Jaden wiley is the more explosive guy but uh 
Tulu Griffin is the guy, too, that I think that you'll see take a step forward, too. So probably ducking and Griffin are probably maybe stars in waiting. Steve Robertson from 24-7 Sports covering the Mississippi State Bulldogs joining us here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Flipping over to the defense, Jet Johnson and Nathaniel Watson, the top two tacklers from last season, both return. Actually had the opportunity to speak with Nathaniel Watson at SEC Media Days a couple weeks ago. And then you look in the secondary and Emmanuel Forbes, three interceptions last year. He's back for another go. Just kind of talk about this defense and, and who steps out and who should LSU fans become acclimated with? Well, this is the best, should be, the best defensive unit that Mike Leach has had at Mississippi State. They're a veteran group. you got some guys up front like Jaden Crumity and Nathan Pickering that were highly heralded recruits that um, have kind of come into their own. And, you know, this is this should be the money year for those guys. You know, and, and yeah, I think this linebacker group is maybe they don't have the depth you'd like to have as far as experience goes, but they've got some very productive tacklers, especially with Jet Johnson and Nathaniel Watson. That's the thing about Jet too. We thought he might make a third team preseason all SEC thing. I think he was uh, number seven in the SEC and returning linebacker tackle on the, on the list. Um, productive Bulldog player last year and didn't get a sniff on that all SEC list. And again, I think, State kind of embraces that, too. I, I think there's a part of them that, like, okay, we'll, we'll just show you. But I think that front seven can be really good, probably as good as what State's had probably since 2018. And that's, that's a group that had Jeffrey Simmons and Montez Sweat on it. And so I don't know that you'll get the same star power, but I think you can get you know, probably the best production since then. You mentioned Emmanuel Forbes, and there's a guy from your state, too, that's going to probably start the opposite side, and that's DeCamryon Richardson. And Darcel McBath, the Bulldog Corners coach, told me he was the most improved guy in the room uh, this spring. I think a lot of it, too, is just because you know, for the last couple of years, he's played behind Martin Emerson, a guy that was going to be a future NFL guy. I think now the light's kind of coming on for him. He played well last year, but now he has an opportunity to kind of uh, take a starting role, and we've seen him hit another gear. And uh, the safety position is one that they needed to kind of address some things. They went to the portal. Uh, they got Jackie Matthews, a guy from West Virginia that they like an awful lot. And so defensively, it should be, you know, the best group that Mike Leach has had. And so that hopefully will lead to more possessions and ultimately more points. Looking at the schedule here in 2022, seven and five a year ago, seven and six if you count the bowl game. And then, you know, you look this season, you open against Memphis, and then you go on the road to Arizona, and then you come to Baton Rouge, then Bowling Green to wrap out September. But, man, October is going to be a brutal month for the Bulldogs. Arkansas, Kentucky, Alabama, and A&M. You know, what do you you make of this schedule? Actually, uh, you know, I think most people – this happens in the SEC media a lot of times, too. Like, if State – for about a decade, they beat Kentucky, I think, nine consecutive times. And then in 16, State loses in Lexington, loses in 18. So the last three trips to Lexington, they hadn't played well. And you got to give Kentucky some credit for that. But um, you know, I think that's a game to look at. They think they should win. I mean, State dominated Kentucky last year. Kentucky really struggled uh, defensively against Mississippi State last year. And then they've got some issues in the secondary. I, I don't see October as as brutal, but I think State's got to do no worse than two and two in that month. And you know, A and M is a team. Actually, if you go look at the recent series history, I mean, since Johnny Manziel left, State has actually been the you know on the better side of that series as well. And, and you know, we had to beat Alabama 
three coaches ago. I mean, Sylvester Croom was the last coach to beat Alabama. So it's almost like an annual ride of passage. You kind of take your whipping there. But you like that game to be a little more competitive. But, you know, we feel like probably an 8-4 and four team. You know, I think that's a probably a good regular season. And some would say, well, that's not a big step forward. Well, you trade Vanderbilt from Georgia. You know, it's like so Vanderbilt rotates off the schedule. Georgia comes on. And even though State played them very competitively in 2020, I mean, there's just a talent differential there that uh, is not fable for the Bulldogs. So you look at the schedule right now, and you kind of assume a loss to Alabama and Georgia, and then the rest of it, you kind of you know, get a bunch of toss-ups and some games like that game at LSU. I mean, State's going to have to go down there and play well, but went down there two years ago and uh, kind of ambushed the Tigers, and so we'll kind of see how things go. And then, of course, you know, the Thanksgiving matchup in Oxford against Ole Miss. That game's kind of the game that's always – on Mississippi State's calendar. Just kind of talk about that rivalry with the Egg Bowl with Ole Miss. Well, I mean, you know, that's a game you can go ahead and clip. State's going to win that game handily. Um, I honestly believe that. I'm not just talking smoke. I mean, I I think last year Ole Miss was a better team than Mississippi State. I said that last year. They were a veteran team. I think they had 30, 32 seniors, something like that. They should have been a better team, and Matt Corral made the difference. Matt Corral won the ball game for Ole Miss. There's no question about it. State didn't play well. Matt Corral did. That ultimately was the difference in the ball game. But uh, you know, Ole Miss can be a different team this year, and they've gone portal heavy this year. Uh, how is that sustainable or not? You know, we're all kind of figuring that out ourselves. You know, we don't we don't really know how this is going to work. But uh, you know, by the time we get there, you never know what you're going to look like. But uh, I, I think this is a game too. Leach has lost the first two. Uh, egg bowls and so there's a little more emphasis this year because I, I've done the research on this I don't think there's ever been a coach that's lost three consecutive egg bowls that has kept his job now Mike Leach is not on the hot seat any in any stretch at all but the reality of it is you, you lose three consecutive egg bowls around here the natives grassless and, and that, that's kind of putting it mildly and and that that kind of negatively impacts everything else I mean not just season ticket sales but now we're in the middle of the NIL era and so if people are not invested in your football program, they're not going to invest in NIL, and you're far farther and farther behind. And so it's important that they win that ball game. Steve Robertson, 24-7 sports covering the Bulldogs of Mississippi State, joined us on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Steve, really appreciate you taking the time. Great insight into the Bulldogs. You open the season on September 3rd against Memphis. Tell our listeners where they can find your work. Yeah, always at jeanspage.com. We are the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports, and I'm on Twitter at ScoutSteveR. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate you taking the time, Steve. And there he goes, Steve Robertson. Let's update the poll question. Trevor Penning getting kicked out of Saints camp today. Is it concerning? 38.5% of you say 100%. 23% of you say eh. And then 38% say fights happen. So, yeah. I, again, you know, fights happen, no question about it. I just, you know, they happen one day. Okay. It happens two days. Not great. Three days in a row? Yeah. That's not good. It's not. And more likely than not, it'll brush over to be nothing, and that's fine. But it's just, you know, yesterday we, we talked about optics. Optics-wise, it's not a good look. It's just not. Once again, the Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win some excellent 
prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. The only way to score these great prizes is by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. Sign up today. Let's take a time out here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. And when we return, we'll talk about the NFL and some new details that came out in that Marquise Hollywood Brown arrest last night. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. August 3rd. 1909, MLB umpire Tim Hurst instigates a riot by spitting in the face of A second baseman Eddie Collins after he had questioned a call. Hurst is later banned for life. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 522 here on your Wednesday afternoon. New details coming out about Marquise Brown's arrest last night. So he was arrested on three speeding charges, exceeding 35 miles approaching a school zone, 35 miles per hour approaching a school zone exceeding the posted speed limit by 20 miles per hour and exceeding 85 miles per hour. So here's my thinking. If it is a criminal charge to be driving faster than 85 miles an hour on this road, the speed limit has to be pretty low. Like at the highest, I'm thinking 55, 65 maybe. However, Marquise Brown was clocked going over 120 when he was arrested. That, that, that was about the same speed as Antonio Brown. That's just stupidity is what that is. I mean, you, you, were, you were asking to get in trouble. Of of course you got arrested. You were causing harm not only to yourself, but to people around you. My friend just texted in our group chat. Marquise Brown really speeds her on and off the field, huh? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Jeez, over 120 miles per hour. And I know what you might be thinking. Oh, Miguez, you're a hypocrite. I have never driven over 100 miles an hour in my life. Ever. I hit 100 one time, and I got two chicken, and I slowed down immediately. You're like, I did it. (laughs) Exactly. I got up to 100, and then I hit the brakes. I'm a rebel. And I I was scared to go any faster. I've never driven that fast in my life. Um, I was raised by two teachers that scared the you-know-what out of me growing up. And so, yeah, no, didn't do that. So, yeah, that's just... Anyways, going back, you know, I told you earlier, we talked about the the Vin Scully death, and we talked about that we had some audio clips to 
to play for you. Let's start, of course, the, the first one has to be Vince Scully's legendary intro. Okay, can't find that one? Let's do Hank Aaron's 715th home run. One ball and no strikes. Aaron waiting. The outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive in the deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. For breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a great moment for all of us, and particularly for Henry Aaron. Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record was was a monumental moment in in baseball. Obviously, um, monumental moment for the Braves, and like Vince Scully just said, a monumental moment for Hank Aaron. You know, a, a player who dealt with segregation and dealt with with racism, breaking. Babe Ruth's home run record in the Deep South. I mean, it was really impressive to to see one of the other big ones, and this might be Vin Scully's biggest call. Uh, the 1988 Game 1 of the World Series, Kurt Gibson limps his way to the plate and hits a home run. But the game right now is at the plate. Also, every now and again, Vince Scully would dabble in football broadcasting. Everybody remembers the famous catch from the 1981 NFC Championship game from Joe Montana to Dwight Clark. For one of the rare times, what they thought was going to be a barn burner is exactly that. And of course, for the upstart 49ers, they're six yards away from Pontiac. Third and three. We'll see a pickup sometime on the right side, possibly. Montana looking, looking, throwing in the end zone. You better watch here. Too tall Jones well, usually lines up in the middle. He's he's six uh, seven. The spot, the kick, it is good. 28-27, San Francisco. 51 seconds left. And then, you know, one of the one of the other great calls of the career of Vince Scully goes all the way back to 1956 when the Cubs were in Los Angeles and Sandy Koufax pitched a perfect game. It is 9.46 p.m. Two and two to Harvey Keene. One strike away. 
Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung on and missed a perfect game. And then lastly, before we go to break, here is Vince Scully's legendary intro. Well, we've had all the introductions. We've had all the pomp and circumstance. We've had all the fuss and feathers. But it's time. It's time for Dodger baseball. One thing that I will always be grateful for is, you know, Vince Scully is one of the inspirations for me joining this business. And, uh, you know, I, I, I missed a lot of his career. Obviously, his broadcasting career started in 1950. I wasn't born until 1997. But I did have the opportunity to go to Dodger Stadium in 2012. And uh, Vin Scully was still the radio broadcaster for the Dodgers then. And the last couple years that he was the broadcaster, they would let him do that intro, that it's time for Dodgers baseball, over the PA system. So I got to sit in Dodger Stadium at Chavez Ravine and listen to Vin Scully say, it's time for Dodger baseball. And that's something that is pretty cool. And it's something that I will hold on to for a very long time. Once again, Vince Scully passing away at the age of 94. Easily the best broadcaster in the world of baseball. We'll take a time out. Who Dat Wednesday with Brendan Ertle on the other side. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. He's going to go. Touchdown, Saints. Who's ready for some New Orleans Saints talk? We are. Here is Who Dat Wednesdays with Canal Street Chronicles' Brendan Ertle on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. My guy, Brendan Ertle, it's been a while. What's up, dude? It's been a long time. We actually have something to talk about. We actually have something to talk about. You are absolutely right. Let's start right off the top. Trevor Penning getting kicked out of practice today. How do you feel about that? Um, mixed reviews. You know, uh, Dennis Allen in the post uh, the post practice press conference. He was like, uh, "We don't have time for that." And uh, yeah, you you don't have time for that. Uh, you have very limited time to do those things on the field. But I'm not too concerned about it. You know, he's a tough guy. We knew coming in. You know, he's like that. Uh, he's not. It's not like he's out there being Ryan Jensen. He's not being jerk in any way he's not picking on people he's just going from snap to whistle and i i can understand how guys get frustrated with him you know even this ball is gone the runs the other way he's still going to keep blocking you and blocking you and blocking you and you know that's what he was famous for and you know it gets under guy's skin sometimes so you know a little bit like a cal turley kind of with his mentality on the field so it's something that we needed and i don't mind it too much it's just you know, just one of those guys, you know, like another C.J. Gunner-Johnson kind of. Yeah, I mean, at, I think it's a little concerning, but in the end, it really it, it is what it is. Um, now, a, another issue that we've run into is that Kawan Baker is going to be suspended for the first six games of the season for violating the league's PED policy. Now, I know Kawan Baker probably wasn't going to make the 53-man but he's a guy that the Saints really believe in. He's shown a lot of upside over the last couple of years. Definitely not a uh, 
not a good situation there. No, definitely not. Yesterday was filled with news and uh, some good, some bad, and that was definitely one of the bad ones of the day. Uh, Quan's one of those guys, you know, that probably wasn't going to make 53 just because of the competition they had at the bottom of the roster or at the bottom of the, the, that group with Trey Quan, Kyle, and Hardy. Uh, but definitely was one of those guys, you know, that was probably going to make a practice squad and not saying he's not going to now, but it's it's one of those things where do you keep that guy along and let him ride out a six-game suspension or do you just move on? Uh, you know, the PED thing, the, the six-game suspension, it's, it's tough. Sometimes it's on purpose. Sometimes it's complete accident. Uh, but you know it's a it's a it's a tough hit for him, and uh, I know we'll see a change with Deshaun Watson's suspension. But the fact that currently right now Deshaun and Quan Baker have the same length of suspension is pretty pretty crazy to me. Uh, sure, both or either of those will change, but uh, yeah, tough for Quan Baker. But you know, not roster changing anyway. Thanks. And then. You know, you, you got the news about C.J. Gardner-Johnson, you know, limiting his participation in practice, somewhat of a contract holdout. Now, you know, how quickly do you see Mickey Loomis acting on this, or could it go down the way some people think and the Saints trade him? You know, it, this has been a new thing recently, I feel like. Instead of a holdout, it's kind of a hold in. The players show up. So they just participate a little bit so they don't find it anyway. And it's honestly a very smart way to, you know, be present, be with the team, but still say like, hey, I'm not going to go in this one-on-one drill because I don't want to get hurt because I need a new contract. So, uh, I mean, we've seen Debo Samuel, we've seen Deontay Johnson doing it right now, and now C.J. Garner. Um, it, it's, it's tough because the slot corner acquisition is one of those positions that – doesn't really have a definite, you know, market. You know, he's probably worth more than what you'd pay another slot cornerback. Uh, I think he brings a ton of value to this team, and you you pay him if you can. But if he's asking for a number that, you know, you can't afford, I don't know if there's a lot you can do about it. But I think you absolutely try and get something done with him, whether that's, you know, you get fancy with the contract. I think he's too valuable to this team. And, yeah, they're deep at the position. Uh, but you, you need to be deep in that position, especially in the NFL, and especially in our division when you got Tampa Bay rolling out, you know, seven, eight All Pro wide receivers at the same time. You need you need depth at the corner position. So, um, not too worried about it yet. The fact that he's here is good. Um, but you know, I hope they can get something done because I don't. I definitely don't want to see him gone, and I definitely don't want to play against him either. And then. The the other bad news from yesterday is that Smoke Monday, it's feared that he has suffered a significant knee injury. Uh, a, a undrafted rookie that was having a, a great training camp, you know this this isn't the greatest news in, in terms of the secondary for the Saints. Yeah, probably the worst news uh, imaginable uh, that day at least. Uh, Smoke was a guy that out there that had relationships with tons of guys and. Uh, I think, you know, they'll put him on IR. He'll be with them for the season, hopefully, and hopefully can come back next year and compete again. But, you know, significant knee injuries, especially for DBs who, you know, use the knees and hips a lot uh, in their game. It's definitely tough. And uh, now that Tyron Matthews back, it's not, you know, a huge concern. But, you know, it, it is a question of the depth of the position now. Uh, Smoke was probably a guy that had a really good shot to make the team. You know, you have depth guys like, you know, we have this, 
the three main ones, Tyron, Marcus, May, and P.J. Williams, who will play significantly. Uh, then you guys got guys like Daniel Sorensen, Justin Evans, uh, guys like that who, you know, are on the brink of making the roster, got the JT Gray. Uh, but I thought Smoke had a really good shot to make this roster and, you know, be one of those, be a JT Gray, be a guy like that. And it just sucks to see him go down. And, you know, that adds, you know, more competition for other people and, and probably a roster spot, honestly. If it wasn't a roster spot, it was a practical spot. So just sucks to see him go down, just a really high-character guy. Uh, but, you know, there's been – Injuries all across the NFL going on. It's training camp. It happens. It's unhappened. I think somewhat the Saints are somewhat clean so far in terms of injuries and no, you know, top players like Ryan Jensen or anything like that are going down. So um, pretty clean so far, I'd say. Brendan Ertel, the Canal Street Chronicles, joining us here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh for Houdat Wednesday. Brendan, give me your thoughts on – Jabo and Michael Thomas back on the practice field looking healthy and, and Winston, you know, I know it was four days ago now, but that 60-yard bomb to Alave was a thing of beauty. It is beautiful to see that. Uh, just I just was talking about it. And, you know, Jameis and MT, they'll carry this team as far as they will take them. This defense is ready to win now. It's ready to win a Super Bowl. This defense is, you know – generational on lots of levels you have a top 10 player pretty much every position in that in that defense so this offense you know it has you know that that ravens uh 2000s defense behind it they'll take them as far as they can go so what i've seen from james so far um don't get it twisted when i say this i am happy that he is taking risks and throwing picks so far in training camp i'm not happy he's throwing you know bad balls or maybe at the wrong spot, but I'm glad that Jameis is now taking risks in training camp, throwing passes that he probably wouldn't have last training camp, you know, when Sean and Drew were there and he was trying to impress. Um, <laughs> Drew wasn't there last year, but you know what I mean. Uh, but, yeah, he, he's been really good. Seeing what MT has been doing, it's, it's you know, that safety blanket, it's that wide receiver one that he hasn't had in a long time. Uh, and, and it's huge for Jameis. You know, the short passing accuracy has been probably the biggest question. And, you know, there's no doubt that the deep ball is one of the best in the league because, you know, Chris Olave and Deontay Hardy will get theirs with a the deep ball. But, you know, it's going to come down to uh, that short accuracy the Saints offense usually loves. And, you know, now you have two guys that are elite at that with Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry. So uh really like what I've been seeing from Jameis and MT. And uh, I'm really glad to see MT – MT's workload, like, continuing to go up. You know, obviously didn't miss any of training camp. Uh, he had a day off in between somewhere. But today he competed in 7 on 7 now step forward for him. I mean, I bet if there was a game tomorrow that they'd both play. They're just guys like that. They're tough. Um, but just glad to see them building that chemistry because uh, we didn't see it pretty much at all before. And they've only completed just, what, a handful of passes together. So it's Give me a really, really, really good combination of those two. Give me your thoughts on the Chris Herndon signing yesterday to add some some tight end depth to the room. Uh, very interesting. I, I mean, I, I, I've been a fan of his. Hasn't really done much since you know his rookie season with the Jets. He's kind of bounced around with the Vikings. Didn't really do a lot there, but was you know had four catches, forty yards, and a touchdown. Uh, went to the same high school as Alvin Kamara. That's 
a little nugget that I didn't know before. Uh, but the, they're injured in they're injured at the position. You know, Taysom's got that rib injury that has kept him out, and who knows how long he will be out. I was hoping to have a little bit more information, but don't really have a ton right now. Uh, Jawan Johnson's been battling an injury. Uh, let's see what else. You know, Troutman's been killing it in training camp. He's been doing well. That's good to hear. Uh, Lucas Kroll's been a guy who's been productive. But, you know, they're kind of thin at the position with Jawan Johnson being uh, limited and Taysom being out. So I think that he could compete for a spot. I still think it's Troutman, Vanette, and Taysom Hill at that position. But, you know, all the spots are open. It's not a spot. It's not a position where, you know, there's a Travis Kelsey. There's three guys that trying to, you know, above average guys. We'll see what Taysom can be fully at tight end. I'm excited to see that. But, you know, Chris Friend's a guy who can be a little bit more of a receiving tight end. Hasn't We haven't seen it in a long time. It doesn't hurt to bring him in. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I like the sign, and there's pretty much no risk to it at all. Last Saints question, and then I've got a non-Saints question for you. Give me your thoughts on, you know, some of the, some other rookies other than Alave and Penning to to look out for who've had a who's had a strong camp. Uh, I think the main name has been Alante Taylor. He's been really good. Uh, you know, obviously, probably still behind guys like Roby, and uh, you know that like I said before, it's a deep room. But he is going to be a guy who's going to fight and fight and scratch and claw for some kind of playing time because that secondary is deep. Uh, but he's been really good, I, I, I think, and he's been inside, outside. I think he could be even even be more versatile than they're uh, originally using him as. So, uh, you know, that gunner spot opposite of JT Gray is wide open. It's up for competition. I thought maybe that'd be a spot where Smoke Monday could steal it. Uh, but I, now I think year one, Alante Taylor, I think that's a solid place for him to be in as well. Um, but, you know, there's been some guys who have been popped out. Uh, Lucas Kroll's been a big one. Uh, fans really like him, the UDFA. Haven't heard much about the running back situation with Abram Smith or Tony Jones. Obviously, Tony Jones is a rookie. But, uh, you know, it's been a kind of quiet in terms of the rookies this year. DeMarco Jackson's made some plays. Uh, and it's just really hard to tell without preseason film. Uh, we've had a couple padded practices, and that's kind of where – those guys will kind of pop out. I mean, Chris Olave was having a phenomenal camp. Pads come on, a little bit more shaky, got used to it the next couple of days, and has been killing it since. So, you know, when the pads come on, it's a completely different ball game. But, you know, I, I really do think Olave is – I know you told me not to say it, but Olave is that guy, and uh, he's been he's been great, and he'll be pro-ready day one. And then lastly, Brendan, you know, you're in the world of sports media just like we are. You know, give me give me your thoughts on the passing of Vince Gully. Dang, uh, I mean, just brutal. And you know, it's one of those guys where I didn't grow up on him. You know, my dad did, and my dad's friends did, and the impact he had on you know not even sports media, just sports in general. Um, you know, it's it's just crazy that an announcer like that can make such a big impact on so many people. And you know, when you think of sports announcing and things like that. Uh, it probably wasn't as cool back then, but, you know, guys like him made it cool and made people want to do that. Uh, it's just brutal news, and, you know, it's one of those guys that you could just never imagine him leaving, and, you know, he does. And so brutal, sad for him and his family, but, you know, the lasting impact that he'll have on sports media and sports 
uh, you know, they'll always be around. No doubt about it. 94, I mean, how can you complain about 94 years? Absolutely not. 94 great years. Right. Absolutely. Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles joining us for Hootat Wednesday. Appreciate you, brother. And, you know, we're, we're back to normal. We'll do it again next week. Sweet. Let's do it. Tune in next week for another edition of Hootat Wednesdays here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Welcome back into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. News that we've been watching all day has finally been confirmed. Dustin Poirier's getting back in the octagon. November the 12th, UFC 281 in New York City. Dustin Poirier against Michael Chandler. Wow. That is most certainly going to be a number one contender's fight. The winner of that fight will be next in line to face the winner of the championship fight in the lightweight division after Charles Oliveira was stripped of his belt due to missing weight a couple months ago. A couple minutes left in today's show. Let's look at the poll question of the day. Trevor Penning getting kicked out of practice today. Do you find that concerning? So far on Twitter, 32% of you say 100%. 22% of you say eh. 45% of you say nah. Fights happen. We'll see how it goes down if he serves any additional punishment. Uh, maybe maybe he's forced out of practice tomorrow too. Or, you know, suspended from practice tomorrow. I don't know. It'll be interesting to uh to keep an eye on. But the biggest things to take away from Saints camp over the last couple of days. Michael Thomas looks healthy. Jameis Winston looks healthy. And this offense is going to be nasty. The offense is going to be nasty. The defense was already nasty. Might be a little too early to say this, but could the Saints contend for a Super Bowl this year? We'll see. I want to take this opportunity to thank our guest, Steve Robertson from Jeans Page, the Mississippi State 247 Sports Page, for joining us with a preview of the Bulldogs before they come to Tiger Stadium on September 17th. And, of course, every Wednesday, who that Wednesday, with our guy Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles. Really appreciate him taking the time. Appreciate everybody that called in. As always, 706-0111 if you want to get in on the hotline. And don't forget for tomorrow here in Acadian, you can watch us on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Hall of Fame game tomorrow night, the Jags and the Raiders. Why don't you go watch it at the Hangout Sports Pub in Youngsville and tell them that Miguez and Mesh sent you. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez reminding you to be safe, be well, give a hug to your mom and them. And we'll catch you tomorrow here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The Zach Gelb Show is up next.